From the Sophistani Embassy in New York City, this is the Republic of Savistan podcast. The Republic of Savistan, a nation dedicated to disagreement. If only they could agree on that. Argument, rhetoric, debate, and persuasion are the topics of the day for all Savistanis, wherever they might reside. For more on this podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Republic of Sophistan or sophist.nyc. The Republic of Sophistan's embassy in New York has one mission alone, to help you liberate your mind from bad habits of argumentative oratory. Join the Minister of Education as we liberate your mind to the power of sophistic thinking. And now, the Right Honorable Minister of Education for the Republic of Savistan. Listeners, today I'm getting ready to go to Adelphi College in Long Island to watch a debate and comment on that debate, and I hope to bring you that debate in its entirety as an episode of Republic of Sophistan, as well as my comments. I feel like this kind of educational outreach is important, but why is the formal study of argument and debate resistant to public engagement? Why are there no forums and no clubs and no activities for this kind of practice? Sure, you have Toastmasters in the United States, but where are the clubs for debate and argument for adults, for citizens in the United States? In Sophistan, this is as natural as taking a walk or taking a breath to be a member of these kind of societies. Why don't they exist? Why is it always associated with formal education? In an attempt to raise this question and get us thinking about it, I'm going to present to you this Adelphi debate, uh, free of editing, as well as my comments about the debate at the end, in hopes that maybe you can get something positive out of it. And I wonder if here in New York, a Sophistani debating league could be formed for participants who are citizens who want to practice the art of debate. I'm not going to say get better at the art of debate, because how does one get better at an art? How does one get better at performing and expressing oneself? The only possible answer to that lies in the audience. There are no scientific metrics, no statistical measurements that can say one is better at an art. It is a contextual and contingent judgment that changes in each situation that it is presented. So here's the debate from Adelphi University, and here are my comments at the end of this debate. I did not wind up recording the entire debate, but I did record my comments at the end of the debate, which uh, follow these remarks um, directly. So have a listen to that. It's some uh, advice to student debaters who are doing a debate as an assignment in a class. And more to come of this uh, next week. I'll be at NCA. More thoughts on NCA coming up. And uh, that'll do it for uh, this episode. Thanks for listening to Republic of Sophistan.
terminal condition of being injured. So I can't speak in front of a group without a chalk or something, a marker or something. It's like a, you know having to have a cigar or something. Much cooler. White a whiteboard marker will do. Um, so, um, what is a debate, and how do we know that we're in one? Or you could ask the question, what's an argument, and how do you know that you're in one? Yeah. There's two sides. Two sides. So if there's five or six sides, you're not in an argument. Um, it's an interesting theoretical limitation, sir, but I don't know if we can accept it. Wow, look at all the colors. Trying to move them. Yeah. Okay. What if you are engaging with someone else? You're not trying to move them, but trying to move someone watching. What's that? For example, a court, a court thing. Would that be an argument? If we have time, I do want to show a video. Okay. Um, yeah. What? Uh, there is an urgent need that is followed by. This is very Athenian. <laughs> Darius is coming. Darius is coming. What are we going to do? Xerxes is coming. He's going to kick our ass. What do we do? Let's go ask the Spartans for help. We're busy. That's the way it always is in Greek history, right? Sorry, it's the feast day of Aphrodite. We can't help you. Until they get to our border, leave us alone. Spartan life. Um, interesting. It's something to think about. Because one of the things about argument and debate is it makes us all into theorists. Theorist. What a useless occupation. It makes us all a theorist. But we have to be attentive to these definitions because democracy depends on them. Your sense of what argument is and what debate is is directly related to your willingness to participate in democracy. When should I speak? When should I question? When should I disagree with someone? When should I challenge someone's view? And that's the question that has kept me interested for a long time uh, now uh, in what debate and argument can be. Uh, a couple of general observations, then maybe I can talk about some of the speakers I really thought had something really weird happen when you spoke. Um, you know, athletes have this thing called being in the zone. Have you ever heard? Yeah. You know, how'd the game go tonight? We just had great chemistry out there. You know, wow. sports people have to be experts on chemistry and physics and everything else. Oh, we just had great chemistry. So it's hard for us to articulate that, but it's that thing when you hear good arguments and then you realize that you're listening to yourself. Like you're watching yourself speaking. You have this kind of weird moment or this kind of like, I don't know what it is psychologically. Here's some things to keep in mind for uh, debates in the future. All argumentation is aimed at one thing and one thing alone. And that is audience. What differs the study of argumentation and debate from all other things at the university or all other intellectual pursuits is that it's aimed at the audience. The audience is how we determine if it's good or not. This is very different than philosophy, which couldn't give two flying flips about the audience. I'm right. And if the audience can't understand it, they're stupid. 
And that's the way a philosopher talks, right? This would be Plato's attitude about it. Well, you don't get it because you're not a philosopher, kid. You don't get it. Uh, but in rhetoric, which is what I study, the audience is king. So this means that an argument that would work here tonight in front of these people won't work, and the Bronx won't work, and Brooklyn won't work, and Ohio. It has to alter. It has to change. So we're not afraid of manipulation. We're not afraid of alteration. We're not afraid of being a tailor of uh, what we're saying. So what would then become a big question here would be, who is this? Who are these people? I'd like for you right now to list for me what the things, the people in this room, would uncontroversially value. Come up with what would the people in this room value without question? Yeah, money. What else? Family. What? Family. 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 Very good. Sorry, I destroyed my uh, my hearing with uh, my dad. Gave me these these wireless earbuds. Wow. You guys have these? Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> you know you can change the volume. Oh, yes, thank you. No, no, it's fine. Let's talk about pedantic later. Um, what else do we uncontroversially value? Yes, freedom. 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 It's not free, according to George W. Bush. Yeah, knowledge. Knowledge. Time. Do we have any other metaphor to talk about time other than money? Isn't that weird? How money and time are just like the perfect metaphor of each other? Kind of weird. Love. Love. Oh wow. Maybe we are doing philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> get a chill every time I say philosophy. I kind of get a little shudder. Uh, what else? Anything else? I don't know. Loyalty. Loyalty. Very good. Uh, do you guys remember being in like third grade, fourth grade? Yeah? Good for you. I don't. <laughs> I did too many drugs in fifth grade. I don't. Um, remember vocabulary tests, right? And you would have this thing called the word bank? This yeah. is the word bank. Okay? Now, this is how we do rhetoric. I know this sounds really kind of stupid. Any audience you have is going to have uncontroversial values. And since they're uncontroversial, you don't have to prove that they're valuable. It saves you time and energy. So if you make appeals to these things, and I would say that most audiences here at Adelphi, or even most audiences in Long Island or New York or New Jersey, would find this uncontroversially good, these become evidence that you can use to prove your claims. They become, more importantly, framing devices to say what you're about. Ladies and gentlemen, university it's an economic institution. It's all about money. You pay tuition, and I thank you for that, because I pay my bills. But what is the actual economic cost of university? Are we making people spend things on what really matters to them and what the university should do? Wasted money is a horrible crime. And that's what we're here to talk about today in the gen ed curriculum. It's wasted money. Your money. See, now that's very powerful, and I'd have to go to the library to do that. The evidence is here in the room. You want to think of your audience, one way to think of audience, co-conspirators. You are working together in service of the greater truth. That's one way to think about the audience. Right? 
That's probably the most powerful. You use your word bank to do that. Generate this. This is where all of your best things come. You can also call these uh, the building blocks of things like principles. Because we value these things, there would be certain kinds of action or certain kinds of things that we would always do. We call those principles. Right? Not like the person you go to when you get in trouble with the, you know, with actually the Ecclesiastes Society. You talk about this the most. Because she brought up that Adelphi has made public their principles. And then she used what I call hypocritical argumentation, right? Which is kind of the, the vein of this kind of argument, which is kind of a cool way of arguing to say, let's look at our stated public principles. Are we meeting those or are we not meeting those? And you can the argument can go either way. I mean, they can bring it up too. We have these principles, and we're like, the gen ed curriculum is like laughing at these principles that make us look like hypocritical garbage people. Like, let's get rid of the gen ed curriculum. You guys say, no, no, these adhere to and hold up and keep up the principles that we say that we exist on. It doesn't require any work to do that. It's incredibly persuasive. Great. It's very easy, microwavable argumentation. Wonderful. Very quick. It doesn't taste too good. You might want to do a little more of that. So. The other thing about audience I want to talk about is this great concept. I don't, I don't know if I've got how much. When does this end? Ends at 5:45, which means uh -oh. I can't. Well, bye. Yeah, I can't. Uh -oh. I'd be forced to keep you here, but we don't get kicked out for a few more minutes, so you're welcome to stay. Yeah, I can keep you going. Yeah. Two. We'll give you three. From Mister, the volume turns down himself. <laughs> um, fidelity. Who are your? Who are you? Who's your fidelity to? Now we are all experiencing uh, what I call the Enlightenment hangover. The uh, Enlightenment Europe was this uh, change in thought that put all of our thinking sort of away from people and more towards scientific truth, philosophical truth, objective truth, and it made people secondary to that. So when you give a speech, you make an argument, people are supposed to like bask in that knowledge. Like, wow, you really discovered the truth about things. Now we're kind of hanging over that because that's kind of collapsed. Right? We recognize uh, plurality of perspective really challenges a kind of an ontological knowledge set in a very serious way. And we can talk more about that um, another time, I guess. But when you're um, when you're up here and you're reading to us, you know, a lot of you read. Uh, you might think, well, I'm doing a pretty good job because I'm making sure I'm saying exactly the way I want. But your fidelity is to this that you wrote in some other place in some other time, and I would suffice it to say that some other you wrote that. We're always changing. We're losing cells. Whatever you ate is becoming you, which is disturbing to think about if you have a diet like mine. Don't really want to think about it too much. Um, the, uh, the fidelity to the page and to the word and the thing you came up with is bad. The fidelity is, is here. So what I always say is write your argument out and then just kind of leave it and tell us about it. Tell us about the experience of writing. That's rhetoric. That's communication. This, this was for you. This isn't for us. And then you want to be able to look and to interact and to respond to the nonverbals that you're that you're getting back. You know, they say 90% of communication is nonverbal, but I always counteract that by saying, you know, 82% of all statistics are made up on the spot by good speakers. Okay. So think about that. I guess I'll stop there. Well, uh, but, uh, I did want to show a little video. I, I'm happy for you to show it. I also wanted to let you know. Professor uh, will be returning to us at a later date to be a responder to another uh, argument. You'll know him more. There'll be less of this.
Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.